0: Picture this, you're 15, hopeless, and full of dread. Your breath quickens and you walk through the hallways of school. You feel cramped, crowded, judged. You can't focus in class and you can't answer questions because you're too scared to talk, too scared that what you'll say will be wrong and that people will judge you for it. Lunch is even worse than class. You feel eyes on your body, staring at every imperfection, your untucked shirt, your old backpack that you've had for years because your family can't afford to buy a new one, your face. You can't talk to anybody without them thinking that you just want attention. You feel dirty, disgusting, ugly, like your entire existence is wrong. You're one of the 31.9% of adolescents aged 13 through 18 in the U.S. that is affected by debilitating anxiety. When my mom was a teen, she worried if her butt was too big. Now that I'm a teen, I worry if I'll be alive in 10 years. With climate change getting worse every minute, wondering if I'll get shot during school, and crazy viruses shutting down countries and killing thousands, it sure does seem like death is awfully close. My mom can't fathom the anxiety I experience in my day-to-day life. What's really sad though, is that I'm better off than most of my friends. With anxiety as pervasive as it is now, teens can't go a day without panicking, crying, or freaking out in some way. It's painful, it hurts, and it makes us hate life. But life is beautiful. And the fact that we can't see that easily because of anxiety is heartbreaking. We need help. In the eyes of some adults, our anxiety is like what they experienced as teens. They often think we're childish for acting so broken. And that can create a disconnect between generations. So how do we reconnect? How do adults help teens with the life we are forced to live? How do we all come together to unearth the beauty in our lives? This is Popping the Bubble, teen talk that matters. We first interviewed Tavi Palazzo, a 15-year-old student at Ashland High School.
1: When I think of anxiety, I think of stress and kind of anxiety as an offspring of stress. I try to deal with the stress and it doesn't work, and then it kind of leads to anxiety, and I just start to, like, kind of freak out and lose myself over, like, stupid stuff.
0: What usually stresses you out?
1: Uh, homework and also pressure to, like, uh I don't know own up or hold up my parents standards I guess. Gina Angelique is a dance choreographer and
0: arts instructor who works closely with rural teens.
2: I don't think there is one definition of anxiety but some things it is to me is um a dark fog or cloud that eclipses the sun on an otherwise bright day. It's a merry-go-round spinning in your head, spinning all the bad, awful things that could happen.
0: What do you think causes anxiety in teens?
2: How wrong the world is on almost every level.
3: Megan Shear is a psychotherapist in the Rogue Valley. The most common cause of anxiety I see with my teen patients today is what many of them describe as an almost constant sense of pressure that they just can't seem to get a break from. There is a new pressure that is unique to the Gen Z teen. An expectation that they are virtually connected or on standby via their smartphone and social media much of the day and even into the night. In data collected from four national surveys, Gen Zers report feeling more isolated and lonely than millennials or Gen Xers at their age. We also see a significant increase in anxiety and depression, and important to note, a spike in that trend beginning in 2012, coinciding with the ubiquity of smartphones in most teenagers' hands. Finally, and most alarmingly, we see a threefold increase in suicide ideation among teens and a significant increase in ER visits due to attempted suicide cutting, anxiety attacks, or other mental health emergencies.
2: I think teens have a lot of anxiety. I think one of the worst ways it manifests is in the cutting or biting of oneself. In the obsession with phones and the internet as a vice to escape real life.
1: I get, like, really distant. I just kind of keep to myself a little bit more and, like, uh... I, I don't usually share as much, like share feelings or hang out with as many people or talk to as many people when I'm super stressed. I feel like for me that isolation isn't really a good thing because while I do it, it just makes things worse because then I like sit there and I just think about how I'm stressed but I spend all my time thinking about how I'm stressed instead of taking care of the stress. I have a family member who's in my immediate family, they're uh, starting to really deal with anxiety. Usually the person will get very angry and feel like everything that is being said, even if it isn't to hurt them, they feel as if everything that is being said is directed at them in like a bad way. Um, But then after, usually like anywhere from five minutes to an hour, they start to come down, and when they start to come down, it gets... It gets worse because the anger lets up, but anger gets replaced with fear slash panic slash sadness. So they tend to get very scared very easily and cry for no reason and freak out and usually go hide by themselves because they feel like they're alone. They're 12.
3: In Johan Hari's revolutionary book, lost connections. He argues that teens and adults alike have never been more disconnected from each other, our communities, our bodies, even our own thoughts and feelings. I think our teens are on the front lines of this cultural shift, and we are seeing just how negatively this is impacting their mental health.
2: I mean, back then it was really trivial stuff. It was about getting a boyfriend, or it was about Your parents getting divorced. And I say this from a white, you know, upper middle class position where we had food security and shelter. So I wasn't worried economically. And I'm sure other kids back then had more pressure than I did. But that was what I worried about. Um, Today, if you're in the know as a kid at all, you definitely know that cancer is everywhere. You know, the food that you eat probably isn't safe you know that money is valued more than people's health. So I'm here with Samara
0: French, a junior at Ashland High School. Um, Samara, you're a member of our school's Alt-Ed program, right? Yeah, I'm in Catalyst. Catalyst is an alternative education program geared toward juniors and seniors at AHS who regular school, the public school system, hasn't worked out for us. It's failed us in one way or another. I would say that it helps a lot of kids who struggle with mental health, like a lot of the kids who I know. um, They would not make it to their other classes because they just can't deal with all of the stimulus and everything that's going on in those classrooms. I would say that the majority of our students struggle with mental health. Um, We also have a lot of um, students who've been through adverse childhood experiences. So a lot of the projects that we do are creatively focused so that we can use art and writing um, as a way to kind of work through those things and um, find our space in the world. How did you react to the anxiety that you experienced as a kid?
2: I mean, I don't know. I mean, I will just tell you my specific circumstances that I created, I imagined. I imagined my way out of difficult circumstances. I don't feel like kids really have access to imagination. I think it's hard for kids to imagine because they don't have the space. No, no kid has space anymore. Because every second, they're on their phones looking into this black box.
3: I think there's a lot we can do to educate and support our teens when it comes to anxiety and smartphone practices. First, I think it is the responsibility of schools to have clear policies around phone use during the school day. Second, I think it's imperative for families to come together and talk about guidelines for usage that are aligned with their own family values. And this isn't a one-time conversation, but ongoing. How do
0: you think adults can have a more positive impact
3: on teens and anxiety.
2: To be compassionate and also to foster space where kids can help other kids. I think it was Buckminster Fuller who said to fight against a dysfunctional system, you uh, you create a new system and render the old one obsolete. Let's render the dysfunctional system obsolete.
1: Another thing that me and my friends do a lot when we you know, have like a bad day or you have anxiety or you're stressed out is we'll call each other Probably the most effective thing that I do is sports. Just being physically active is a big stress relief. I feel like it clears your head way more than just sitting around and doing nothing.
2: Uh, Parents. Oh, my God. (laughs) Feed your children well. Be willing to talk to them about anything at any time, even when you're really busy. Cuddle them. Hug them. Nurture them. Listen to them, support them, be a sponge for their worries, listen to them, and then wring yourself out later.
0: Years of inaction have proven that the burden of solving this issue lies upon the shoulders of these new generations. Only direct communication and mutual understanding between teens and adults will truly reduce school related anxiety in an effective manner once students are able to comfortably express their emotions and understand that they have tangible solutions to overcome stress at their disposal, will the anxiety
2: epidemic begin to end?
0: Anxiety has the ability to affect all of us, whether it's personal or secondhand, and the methods taken to address the issue of anxiety haven't changed and frankly, aren't working. So we need to take it into our hands. You need to take it into your hands, to raise your voice, to bring change to the system, to the systems that are failing us all.
3: This podcast was created, written, and edited by Anya Moore, Luke Seely, Isadora Malay, Miranda Davis-Powell, and Tate Oliva. Music for this podcast was written and performed by Tate Oliva. Special thanks to Shane Abrams, Gina Angelique, Samara French, Toby Palazzo, and Megan Shear.